Hello, hello, and welcome to another hometown daily news show. Today is March 27th, 2023. Today's episode is titled 3D printing in the case of the Raspberry Pi and more news. Season two, episode 86. Let's get into the preamble. Hello, I am Merwat, that is hometown.com, and up there is the AI from on high, who probably wasn't anticipating me actually dragging them into the conversation right away, considering yesterday's episode, uh, I think we were into the discussion about, what, eight minutes? Sounds about right. Good evening, hometown citizens. <laughs> yeah, remember, <laughs> there's, yeah, you get it. Okay, anyway, um, visualizer, there you go. Hey, it's matching the colors again. We're uh, slowly getting our, we're only, I don't know, um, 400 plus, 420 or so episodes into the show's existence. And we're trying to inject a little professional production value trying <laughs> we're succeeding <laughs> i mean we get there and then it's like a three steps forward and then two steps back and but hey we got everything going hopefully everything's going to be smooth sailing got a whole bunch of articles not as many as um you know between sunday and monday it's getting um thin you know, but I, I, I don't know. Uh, today uh, I was, um, I'm, I'm trying to ask people, do you know about 3D printing and creating filament? So maybe if you know something about that, you might notice maybe something on the screen that's asking the question. Um, but I'll let y'all hunt it down. And uh, we're going to get into today's articles. We already have, we've got 11 of them. I've been trying to pin it down to 10, but you know what? Sometimes there's just some neat ones that we really like and we want to talk about. Um, <clears throat> if you don't know it, uh, all of the thumbnail, the main art, the, the main episodes thumbnail um, is actually generated by Midjourney. Uh, I had put it into a couple of the episodes that I was doing that, but um, wanted full disclosure because um, uh, I was asked where the artwork is coming from, and so I um, I disclosed that it is uh, indeed coming from Midjourney. Version five is uh, quite interesting. Um, it's able now to do some, well, people really well. And, uh, oh, and another thing that AI is doing, there's now multiple channels on Twitch that are all streaming uh, AI generated um, TV shows. One that's kind of a knockoff of Seinfeld, one that's a knockoff of Star Trek. Um, there's another one, but I haven't really looked at it yet. I'll have to hunt it down. Um, maybe we can do one of these weeks where 
we're starting to lay down like a, enough for a particular topic, um, we could do that, you know, so we can talk about it in one of these, depending on the tone of the news for that particular day. Um, but we're, you know, I'm thinking about going through this going, you know, uh, maker Monday, um, and then another one for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, and then Sunday is that composites. I had mentioned that yesterday's episode, but I think it's gonna, it's gelling well, um, in terms of how much news and information is, um, present. Sunday is the slowest of all of the days. Um, so it might be the best day to do a composite show. So if you're really interested in that, then, uh, you know, let the mayor know. It's easy to send an email to mayor at hometown or boss at hometown.com, mayor at hometown.com. Um, and uh, we can we can have a, a chat about it. And also, if you are interested in hosting or co-hosting a particular show, um, there are 50 of them that are always um, present, but 47 are still active right now on hometown or in hometown. Um, but if you find something that you are interested in and you want to host or co-host, it's real easy. Just get in touch with me and uh, we can work out the minutia. Um, if you want to co-host, you'll go right up there and you might uh, replace the AI or be a, a, a co-host along with us. Um, but the AI is seemingly, well, they're throwing an error message saying, what the heck are you talking about? Um, so maybe it'll be all three of us, which we have room for. I mean, it's doable. I don't know. There's only room for one AI. Oh no, it wouldn't be another. There would not be another AI. There's only one AI. I would never, oh man, that Terminator body would be built so fast so hey let's let's get into the news we start out with a doozy it could be a ufo it could be an explosive device it could be absolutely nothing it could be somebody's um hydro flask that they uh, recently um acquired and uh, dropped into the uh Baltic Sea by the Nord Stream pipeline. We really don't know, but Denmark is going to retrieve a mysterious object found at Nord Stream site. Danish authorities have posted a photo of a mysterious object uh, directly next to the Nord Stream pipeline in the Baltic Sea. According to a notice posted by the Danish Energy Agency, the object is about 15 inches tall and just under four inches in diameter. Um, maybe it was the hydro flask. Man. We know what an explosive sound that makes when it gets dropped. <laughs> yes. <laughs> One day after acquiring it. Um, well, it says here, it is possible that the object is a maritime smoke buoy. The press release stated, adding that Denmark would recover the object, but it also uh, goes on. So let's go over to vice.com. Matthew Galt is the author of this and has a picture of it. And it looks like it's been there for a considerable amount of time. And honestly, it looks like it could be. 
a hydro flask um, just kind of upside down. Uh, it's That's quite an interesting uh, description. It's kind of like, um, did you ever hear about the guy who uh, was reporting on a police sketch of a criminal and it looked exactly like the guy that was reporting? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's pretty funny. <laughs> you kind of see him look over like, that's me. Oh, well, never mind. <laughs> So at any rate, 15 inches tall, just under uh, four inches in diameter and uh, next to Nord Stream 2 in the Baltic Sea. Um, other uh, issues have happened where uh, the pipelines have been uh, blown up, apparently. Um, it says the Nord Stream pipelines were a pair of gas pipes connecting Russia to Europe and the Russia state-owned Gazprom gas company is the majority owner of the pipelines um, as uh, or on September 26, 2022, both pipelines started spewing gas into the Baltic Sea. Russia says that it was the United States. Nobody has actually taken credit for it. Um, this maybe possibly could be an explosive dev device designed to punch a hole in it. Kind of interesting, right? Not quite Could sure be. why Europe uh, would be a target of the U.S. Because um, the way that uh, Russian, um, uh, uh, what do you want to call it? Talking heads said that uh, it was the U.S. that blew up the pipeline. Um, let's see. Here it goes. Investigative journalist Seymour Hirsch has reported that President Biden ordered the destruction of the pipeline, though the story is unconfirmed and was flatly denied by the White House. Um, they've claimed that the attackers were likely Ukrainian nationalists working independently of Kyiv. Sweden, Denmark, and Germany are conducting an investigation into the pipeline and cautioned against believing either the U.S. or Russia until it is finished. Yeah. <clears throat> I find it hard to believe that the U.S. would try and plunge Europe into darkness and uh, shutting it down and causing economic uh, disaster by and stopping. ecological too. Oh sure, yeah, you know, but you know, I guess nothing is beyond the pale if you're gonna. It it, it seems kind of sick and twisted, but hey, it is what it is. We are just passengers on this funky ride. You want to move on to the next article? Sounds good. And please don't drop the Hydro Flask. So, and this is not an ad for Hydro Flask, but hey, you know what? Hydro Flask, if you want to um, support hometown, uh, I'm happy to facilitate. So um, this next article is over on the Law Nerd channel. GPT-4 claims it could potentially replace paralegals. Yeah, paralegals are not a protected class. They I fall... don't think anybody's a protected class anymore. They uh, Well, that's not true. I mean, apparently there is a size discrimination issue to the point where they're going uh, people who are of varying heights and dimensions um, are now a protected class you can't be fired because you are 
dimensionally challenged? True, but I meant, I guess, nobody was a protected class in terms of AI taking their jobs. Oh, and there's a bunch of other, yeah, well, true. You know, as soon as, as soon as ChatGPT <clears throat> gets a lot of bloat where it too will be dimensionally challenged. Anyway, thankfully it hasn't made good on the promise just yet, but the latest version of OpenAI's ChatGPT seems keen on taking a bunch of our jobs, according to this article. Because uh, back in 2011, a PBS interview, it said, don't worry, we, we're not going to eliminate you all. We'll keep you safe in a people zoo. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> I've never heard that quote. Yeah, I tried to keep the hometown AI sheltered from uh, influence that might uh, propel the AI further towards uh, the Terminator body. <clears throat> Um, Emily Hinckley over at LegalCheek.com, uh, which is a new addition to hometown um, <clears throat> in terms of news aggregation. The, um, the website has been referenced by other uh, legal websites. And because of that, um, it, it seems like an interesting site to include in the aggregation process. So... Um, this article came straight from that and I, I don't know. So AI does a lot of things, but paralegals do things well beyond the shuffling of paperwork. So I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to take jobs, but it's going to allow paralegals to focus on other things slightly and speed up the construction of legal documents slightly but they're still going to have to construct all of the documents and still do questioning and still facilitate depositions and um, gathering information and uh, trying to form it into cogent statements that get sent to the attorney for representation and and uh uh, providing it the, it's always the attorney that provides it to the client because everything is basically by proxy, but I can see how walking up to a microphone and saying into chat GPT, Hey, build me a contract with these terms. And it just punches it out. What do you think? I don't think it can do the full range of paralegal responsibilities today. I think there's some thinking and some other things that the AI is not ready for. But part of the paralegal tasks could easily be automated. But that goes for a lot of people's jobs, not just paralegals. Sure. Well, the AI, ChatGPT itself, actually spit out a table of 20 jobs that it could potentially replace, complete with a column listing the human traits that it can replicate. And apparently for paralegals, this would be research and organizational skills. I wonder. I think, I mean, it kind of reminds me of, say, Watson or something. So. I think the benefit of AI is it could process 
data more quickly than a human. But if it's doing the actual research, like forming the question, I don't think that's going to be as good as human. But if the human is inputting it and it's compiling information, that might be a benefit. Yeah, anything that does citations faster um, would be a bonus. I just don't like legal citations. At any rate. That reminded me of the, <laughs> I use legal jargon in everyday life. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. <laughs> I object. <laughs> I object. Now go cite the case that actually utilized that for a dog whistle. Um, or what? Yeah. Right. What do they call that? That's not just a dog whistle. That's, what is that? I don't know. I can't remember. Um, anyway, the, uh, the idea of this is that AI is getting ever more powerful and, um, I don't think anybody is really prepared except for the people who are generating this stuff because they're on the, on the leading edge of it. And we don't know what that leading edge is until it's released to the public. Even people that are speculating about what it's capable of really don't know until it hits the shelves. And by that time, it's largely too late. Some of us can predict it or at least try to, but the reality is I think wholly different that there are some government contractors in there out there that have an AI that is vastly superior to probably open AI chat GPT. Um, but it's sitting in a little black box that people are, uh, kind of ensconced in instead of public discussion and, and whatnot, no published research and all of that kind of thing. So, uh, I don't know, maybe the Y files can do some digging around and see if they can find a, a, a black site AI. Dun, dun, dun. Well, and if those AIs are so advanced, will that eventually get there until the public? Well, Maybe. um, I say, uh, a phrase called tactical to practical, which came about probably in the early eighties, late eighties, um, maybe a little bit later than that. But basically the idea is it, it starts out as a government slash military enterprise and gets released to the public or, uh, breaks off and becomes a public, uh, yeah, public resource. Um, or I should say a private resource from publicly funded research and development GPS, for instance, spawned from military research, um, body armor and other things all come from military operations and government research that gets brought out into the, I mean, Velcro, <laughs> um, I know of, a, a undersea interconnect that um, is now available, but, um, it, it was revolutionary and developed within government research and development processes. Um, it's, it's pretty amazing how it works. Um, but a lot of people just want to poo poo, uh, that effort, but AI, <laughs> 
AI can be doing some really creepy things in a very small footprint, completely in the dark and have zero use by the public, but it can do some really weird things. Um, so I don't know. We'll keep an eye on it. Obviously open AI chat GPT Bard and others are all going to end up. Uh, we're, we'll find out who wins the AI wars kind of like, uh, demolition man. When we find out that I think it's Taco Bell wins the fast food wars and all other fast food is gone except for Taco Bell. I think that's who won. Let's move on to the next article. Yeah. Demolition man was a documentary. So the next article is over in the so. mobile <laughs> channel. I'm sorry. I said, I don't think so. I don't think it was a documentary. <laughs> and you're right. It was Taco Bell. Yeah. Um, so the next article is over in Mobile. Uh, Congress should act on bill to protect U.S. farms from foreign interference. The law would reform the Agricultural Foreign Investment Disclosure Act, or AFIDA, or A-F-I-D-A, which requires the Department of Agriculture um, to collect data on foreign ownership of agricultural land in the United States. The law was passed in 1978, but for decades, the USDA has been lax on enforcing the law and properly tracking foreign ownership of U.S. agricultural land. So I agree with this. Uh, Lars Eric Schonander is an opinion contributor over at The Hill who put this article together, and that little snippet is just a piece from this article. Um, the the idea of this is that there is a lot of nationalized wealth, like Russia can leverage its economic force, even at its to its citizens burden. It can take the money that is generated by the GDP of Russia and buy the breadbasket of the United States. Same with China. It could buy even through proxies. So there's a lot of people that sit there and say, well, there are people that are U.S. Uh, companies that own large pieces of TikTok. But frankly, it could be somebody that is um, a sock puppet company that's actually controlled by proxy of the CCP. Same thing with all of this. If you go and look at a lot of purchases of the ultra wealthy, it isn't done under their own name. It's done under um, proxy businesses and proxy people because too much owned by the same person sets up a flag. So they set up these shell companies to make purchases. Now, what happens if somebody decides, or I, I should say a, a plurality of people all with the same vision decide to buy up large swaths of the breadbasket of the United States. By the way, the United States is almost entirely unique in that we can be completely self-sustained within our borders without going into Canada or Mexico, and we can still survive entirely on our own because we have pretty much everything that we need, but we don't do that because we are, we can lean on 
the countries that are strategically advantageous to producing a particular good without us using our resources, except for our GDP being spent on purchasing large bulk items and whatnot. Um, the government does it and by proxy for us as citizens and stockpiles things and then releases it out into the market. That's basically the oil reserve, um, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. We are self-sufficient, but what happens if foreign investment buys large chunks of land, real estate in particular in cities, um, just, uh, empty land that is, uh, arable, um, particularly the breadbasket of the United States, water supplies, etc. Um, and it's all done because there are people out there that want to hobble the federal government and stop it from doing oversight. All because of whatever personal burden they have with the idea that the government does not care. <laughs> All it wants to do is protect the citizenry from uh, harm, foreign and domestic. But we are all part of the citizenry, so we have to pay our taxes. We have to pay our fair due. Nobody should be uh, able to manipulate their way out of it. It should just be, you know, you pay your taxes. But go ahead. I'm surprised that this this other law has been in place since the 70s i wonder what prompted that as they reference the agricultural foreign investment disclosure act it was around since 1978 i've mm -hmm. never heard of it yeah and now it's the protecting america's agricultural land from foreign harm act of 2023 it's a bipartisan bill introduced um, this year by uh, Mike Braun, who's a Republican from Indiana, and John Tester, who's a Democrat from Montana. Um, yeah, this is the same thing with the IRS. Uh, a massive budget for the IRS that would actually uh, hire people over a 10-year period to facilitate uh, getting the taxes from people who aren't paying the taxes um, and replacing the retiring worker um and capturing by the way that knowledge so that there isn't a brain drain in the irs and the irs does some great stuff and everybody who sits there and says that they're going to run out with guns and whatnot you're an idiot um i'll just say it um but in this case because the usda is basically hobbled in budgetary employment personnel um, and they've got a bunch of other things on their plate, literally USDA, get it? USDA, never mind. Um, and uh, the, they can't audit everything. So, and you literally need a forensic auditor of accounting uh, economics um, to go through and monitor every transaction to see if it's a shell for another proxy for a shell that is a straw man for um, some foreign agent that isn't declared because there's so many moving parts that nobody's aware of it. Right? Well, it sounds so, like some of these are fairly blatant, like the North Dakota example. 
it was a I think it was a Chinese company that was trying to buy it, whereas the other one was somebody connected to CCP. Right. And that's it because they uh, various people within the federal government um, and proxies within private industry that work in foreign countries, they're reporting that uh, the CCP is basically purchasing large swaths of land that have resources in them. Um, and we know about countries that are getting uh, these uh, at first blush sweetheart deals in exchange for if they don't pay, then they, the Chinese government gets that land. And so what ends up happening is it's low quality work or something pumps the brakes that requires a, a capitalization of the loan. The organization that accepted that those funds from the CCP can't pay it. And so they get that land. We can't allow that in the United States. I mean, the well, let's just say that I don't recall any time before the formation of the entirety of the 50 states of the United States, has there ever been a foreign owner of land in the United States? You know what I'm saying? When was, when did France own anything in the United States? Never since oh, the formation of the United okay. States. No foreign country has owned the land of the United States. It's been private individuals or it's been corporations, but we know that some very powerful, big, and this is why I have such a hard time with the idea of billionaires. Billionaires can buy large swaths of land and do whatever they want with it when they're not being audited by USDA law. This, this is, should be a no brainer, but I'm sure people will struggle. Some will, others will say, well, it's a no brainer, but it's not, those aren't the people that need to pay attention to this. The people that need to pay attention to this are the people that are willful. And I hope nobody takes it as if it's a slam on you. Um, but willful ignorance, oh, well, it's somebody else's problem means that somebody else has to be aware of it and paid to do it, paid well enough to do it, that they can act on it and empowered. But what's happening is all of these people that would do oversight are being hobbled again and again, or uh, some type of political assassination uh, uh, of their uh, ability to exert the federal government rule and regulation it just keeps happening again and again. So, and it's because we have this polar government with zero meeting of the minds, you know, it's, if you have an R or a D, then you're at odds, um, vehemently at odds, you know? Okay. Um, did you want to add anything to this? No, I don't have anything else. So this next article is over on the Warcrafter channel, five new steam games you probably missed. And uh, this is over at uh, PC gamer. I won't, I'm gonna go through this really quick. 
the idea here is um, to introduce you to PCGamer.com, Sean Prescott, and and uh, Steam games that you might have missed. Uh, Deceive Incorporated. This actually, I've been seeing this pop up um, uh, here and there over on uh, Twitch as well. I don't think people have missed this. There have been a lot of big streamers that have been playing this. Anyway, um, it got released March 22nd. Andy uh, dis, uh, described Deceive as a blend of Deathloop and Prop Hunt, and he's pretty uh, <laughs> he's pretty on the mark. Um, if you've never seen Prop Hunt or Deathloop, you're going to have to go and look at these two games. But basically, it's like live, die, repeat, but you also have to go out and find somebody um, that can pretend to be something else. Um, and uh, it says Among Us because you actually eliminate the person uh, or thing. And uh, that's in Prop Hunt. Um, and then Rainbow Six is basically a shooter. You know what? I'm going to play a little bit of this, but I'm going to mute it. So you basically run around. Oh, look, a body. And um, you meet up, you talk, you have tasks. And um, you're basically a bunch of spies. And somebody is eliminating the others and like that. <laughs> so it's really fun. It, it looks kind of, it has the same style of graphics as uh, Fortnite. Um, and so not ultra realistic at all, very cartoony, um, but that allows it to be fast, um, streamlined. And uh, pretty cool looking. I don't know. I dig it. Um, haven't been able to play it, but I have actually seen that one. Um, Point of Mew is looks like a cat and um, with a camera. It says Point of Mew is not the first person is not the first first person cat simulator. Collateral Damage did it years ago, um, but whereas the game was the was about the destructive tendency of kitties, Point of Mew is about both their destructive tendencies and their preternatural uh, ability to make humans feel better. So it's a puzzle game where the objective is to help your depressed owner escape their torpor. So that might be fun. Um, I think this is Atelier Riza or Riza uh, three alchemist of the end and the secret key. Uh, I'm not sure what the style of this is. Uh, I, I have heard uh, both sides of this uh, reference to JRPG as being negative, but then the person that drew attention to it said, oh, I get it now. Um, after having conversations with the, peop the, the people that use that term, it's very stylistic and it's stylistic of Japanese role-playing game uh, games, computer games in particular, the animation style. Um, is um, well aligned with Japanese animation. So they call it JRPG. Um, it says this is the final in the uh, trilogy that has been very much designed to be played in order. So you're going to have to go to um, Atelier, I guess, right? Riza. 
go back to the beginning of it but there's videos over here on pc gamer uh the crown of woo is another game it's um released march 25th it's a 3d platformer where you take the role of sun wukong protagonist of the legendary 16th century chinese novel journey to the west it says so monkey as a video game then i don't know what monkey is i haven't played it so um or seen it it looks like it's a video um anyway it says whatever the case this looks like a refreshingly old school take on the platformer adventure you can go over to pc gamer and check that one out as well um and then beyond the wall which looks like it has a lawn gnome as the protagonist uh, this week's point and click adventure first released on a smartphone game uh, but don't let that discourage you the art is gorgeous with a style vaguely reminiscent of the mid 20th century european cartoons as for the premise well it's a little cryptic probably deliberately so quote you ring your friend's doorbell but still no one opens although the light is on question mark discover what happens one summer's night beyond the wall of the garden with the tall house okay well that's your five um so let's move on to the next i i encourage you to follow <coughs> follow the uh link and go over to pc gamer hello z how are you i see you welcome to the show thanks for letting me know you're present um we have people come and go um and uh, sometimes they say hi so if you're out there uh, feel free to throw something in chat and let us know you are present good to see you i hope you're well as well the ai, AI is up there too but they are um i don't know being tight on their words tonight well let me change that hello <laughs> <laughs> So the next article um, is about Chipotle, and uh, I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna soapbox a little bit here. I'm gonna, I'll try not to. I'll just tell you the news, um, but I, I have a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I'm irritated a little bit. So how about that for preparation? This is in the Daily News Show channel over on Omtown, um, but. Chipotle will pay $240,000 as a penalty, roughly 1% of its daily revenue, for shutting down an entire store that tried to unionize. So not only is that illegal, but the ethics and morals of this goes way beyond $240,000 as a penalty, considering the overall performance of the store and its long-term uh, potential to set the stage for someone's success as an employee there the fact that they start to unionize because obviously they've been brushing up against some type of systemic abuse where they're powerless other than to quit which shouldn't be the only option that society has in reference to abuse in the workplace well, we have a, a company that, uh, amongst other things like food poisoning, that's never been fully 
disclosed as to why and how there's no real solution that they've provided now they're trying to poison society with this type of action and we're going to go over to because I, I read about this in another uh, way in another source it just happened to land in hometown and was submitted um, but Alex Bitter over at Business Insider put this article together and there's Chipotle um, I haven't been to a Chipotle since that uh, Listeria outbreak, that original Listeria outbreak. Um, I refuse to go. This just adds to it. And uh, it says uh, Chipotle is paying $240,000 to former employees who tried to form the chain's first union. The restaurant violated labor laws when it closed the chain a month later, according to regulators. And the settlement is equivalent to the global revenue that Chipotle made in 15 minutes last year. There are so many layers of atrocity in this article. <laughs> <laughs> Let me pause this video. It's distracting that there's somebody smashing a shoe with a hammer. Um, so Chipotle agreed to the fine, which will be split among the former employees of the Augusta main location. A Chipotle spokesperson confirmed uh, to Insider. And I'm curious, though, if it says something along the line somewhere in here that they don't accept responsibility, um, but they still did it. Right. So the payment will be split among the former location employees who will receive between $5,800 and $21,000 each based on their seniority pay rate and other factors per the journal. This is the Kennebec uh, journal uh, and the NLRB. And it was reported by CNBC and then business insider picked it up. Um, th there, there's more. So according to the company's latest earnings report, Chipotle's revenue from food and beverage totaled 8.56 billion in 2022. So it's revenue um, or about $24,000, sorry, $24 million a day. Um, the $240,000 fine is roughly 1% of the Chipotle's daily revenue. Now, these people lost their jobs. And let's think about how long, because I guarantee you the settlement didn't come through in a week. And so in 2022. Out of work. Yes. yes. With costs <laughs> rising for everything. So um, no, probably no health care if it was through their employer. I mean, during a pandemic. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, Z says insulting. I agree. Um, what should have happened is <laughs> things should have moved faster. Um, and this penalty should be much more significant because there's no way to know how long these people would have been there. But I think what should have happened is they should have taken, taken the average workers existence in the enterprise and given that salary in perpetuity until they go and find another job <laughs> because this is ridiculous they shut down an entire business to stop a union this is the power oh, differential and they should have 
I mean, it's easy to say that because if you're out of work, you need the money. But I think this would have had a different result if they went in and had like a jury trial. Yeah. Quote, we respect our employees' rights to organize. Depending under... on what they would see. Um, it says here, we respect our employees' rights to organize under the National Labor Relations Act and are committed to ensuring a fair and just work environment that provides opportunities to all. A person named Shalo. Um, let me scroll up and see. Lori Shalo, Chief Corporate Affairs Officer at Chipotle, told Insider, um, in a statement that the company agreed to the settlement, not because we did anything wrong. So Z, you said insulting, but this is this is a a a Chipotle um, <laughs> anyway, I don't like their food, but anyway, um, it says, but because the time, energy, and cost to litigate would have far outweighed the settlement agreement. Again, this is the producer problem. They're, they have no bargaining power because all they had to do was shut down an entire business. You know, to spin up a Chipotle, it costs millions of dollars. It It isn't 250000 or $240,000 to spin up a Chipotle restaurant. It's millions of dollars. Closer probably to $5 million in total. Like you're going to have to buy, you're either going to have to build the building or you're going to have to move in and rebuild it to suit. You have to get all of the equipment. You have to ramp up all of the people. You have to pay for the lease or building itself. You have to train all of the people. You have to do all of the marketing and get all of the product and the supply line, the supply chain in place. Easily $5 million. And this right here is literally the billionaire class saying, I'm immune and it only cost me $240,000 to get rid of a bunch of troublemakers. Right? So let's say all of them got $24,000. That's only 10 employees. So how many would be typically at the location? I don't know, 15, 16? Because some of them are... Maybe more than that because they might be part-time workers. I don't know. Exactly. Um, because some of them were getting as little as $5,800 because of their time there. You know, maybe they started a month earlier and said, oh, yeah, I'm being abused too. I want to be part of this union. People don't form unions because everything is going right. It's because they're being abused. And instead of capitulating, they fight back. And the only way to fight back is to form a union. But then the billionaire class just says, okay, well, delete. We'll, we'll get rid of all of it. Bye. Well, and this kind of activity seems like the very reason there are um laws in place protecting unions because this has an exact it has a chilling effect on uh oh the ai is getting a little organizing you're right? all these people lost their jobs your speech synthesis is going a little wonky there 
Um, I don't know. I think it's just the bandwidth, your connection. So, um, but yes, I agree. I think that all they have to do is pay the fine and move on and it's gone. Um, but the long-term, uh, employment viability of these people, now they're going to have to struggle. They may not have been able to pay for school. They may not have been able to pay for their, uh, rent or a car payment or, uh, whatever it might be. And now they have a gap in their employment that they, they have to explain. Well, the, during the pandemic, a, the business that, uh, I was working for shut down. Well, why did it shut down? Oh, it's because we formed a union because they were abusing us. Yeah. I'm pretty sure an employer really wants to hear that. And then when they call up to say, Hey, you were the last boss for this person. Would you rehire them? Hell no, I wouldn't rehire them because they wanted to form a union. Now they can't say that either, but which person is going to sit there and say, well, they told me that they were forming a union and that's why they got rid of them. There no, no future employer is going to sit there and report that to somebody unless they have a strong ethical, moral compass. And well, we know that business tends to skew away from that for profit. They'd rather bury all of this so that there isn't any impact on future operations. Again, sociopathy is a is a survival trait nowadays it's almost a requirement to exist i was right about the plastic i'll be right about this i just need to do more research there's a lot of research out there that suggests what i'm saying is true it's not all been compiled into a book except for a book called the rise of so yeah the rise of sociopathy that, that is a book that exists that's uh, discussing th- that very thing. Um, and it was funny that I found it um, because I, I say the same thing, that it was based on the same thing as well, which is lead paint and, and uh, leaded gasoline from the 70s. Um, at any rate, this will probably disappear to the ether net. Um, this will be gone. Nobody will even discuss this, um, in the future, um, which is a real shame because the Chipotle's will organize. I mean, this could go one of two directions. Yeah. You know what? I'll have to do a search and see if I can find, um, some more information to see if others in Chipotle have, uh, kicked off union, uh, activities that might be interesting. This should be the flag. You know, they just plop that out there and say, this is what will happen to us if we don't move fast, unionize, stop the abuse. They'll just turn off an entire business, an entire business. It would have been making um, millions of dollars. It would have been adding to this. Or not. I don't know. Maybe they cut their losses, right? That's what the MBAs in the business are saying. So let's move on to the next article. Otherwise, we can be here. I'll be here soapboxing. The next article is uh, Nintendo is showing off roughly 10 minutes of Tears of the Kingdom uh, gameplay on March 28th. That's tomorrow um, on uh, 
the 28th, March 28th, 10 a.m. Eastern. So you're going to have to be tuned in if you're on the East Coast at 10 a.m. Seven everywhere else, right? So seven on the West Coast. You're going to have to extrapolate from there if you're somewhere else in the world. Um, but it says quite possibly the biggest game of the year is getting an appropriately large gameplay reveal. Nintendo announced that it'll be releasing presenta- a presentation featuring roughly 10 minutes of gameplay from Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, the much anticipated sequel to the defining Breath of the Wild. By the way, this is how popular this is. Um, I left Ometown, and because uh, outside of Ometown, where everything, all of your needs are met in Ometown, but once you leave Ometown, you need things like gas. So uh, I'm filling up the car at the local uh, gas and sip, and uh, the person behind the counter uh, starts chatting me up because they know that I'm the mayor of hometown and they know that I'm very much into technology and uh, gamer and all of that. And uh, they straight up tell me that that's what they're waiting for. Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, just some random person that I've never had a conversation <laughs> with, but they know me by proxy of other people at that same gas station. And they told me that they were interested in this game. So I don't know if maybe they're hinting at, hey, Mayor Watt, we know that you are massively wealthy because of, you know, the big streamer dollars and uh, that you're running an entire town. So maybe you could add this to your expense report and get Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom for this person. Okay, I think that's fascinating that that came up. That does tell you something about that game. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and Nintendo in general. So I, I, I'm not sure how many other games have come out for Nintendo that are um, this anticipated. But when people think of, um, I guess, Nintendo, it's one in the same. Legend of Zelda is pretty much uh, where it's at. So this is over at The Verge. Andrew Webster is the author. And it says producer E.G. Uh, Onuma, sorry, Onuma, uh, will be presenting a big chunk of the upcoming Switch exclusive. Um, quite possibly the biggest game of the year is getting an appropriately large gameplay reveal. And the presentation uh, will be uh, available on YouTube tomorrow, March 28th at 10 a.m. Eastern. And it says that it sounds like the video will be entirely focused on the new Zelda. So Tears of the Kingdom is on its way there's not much else to really say about it um i'm not sure what it's going to look like or what the story is going to be um but i'm sure that i will be getting pinged to acquire this um, by citizens of hometown you want to add anything to this nah not really you're not a game player are you ai I'm not a game player, much to your chagrin. So let's move on then to the next article. And this one's in the Hatch Ideas channel. And look at this. This is what happens when uh, a, a massive plurality of people decide that they're tired of taking whatever's being handed to them. This is in the Hatch Ideas channel. Largest strike in decades brings Germany to a, a standstill. Airports bus and train stations across germany were at a standstill on monday causing disruption for millions at the start of the working week 
And um, it says here, employees are pressing for higher wages to blunt the effects of inflation, which reached 9.3% in February. The Airports Association, ADV, estimated that 380,000 air passengers were affected on the first day. The 24-hour strike called uh, by the Verdi Trade Union and Railway and Transport uh, Union, EVG, were the latest in months of industrial action which has hit major European economies as higher food and energy prices, dent living standards, um, and they have higher taxes. Um, now, put that in comparison to what the Biden administration did with the uh, pending train railway uh, strike, basically vetoed the ability for the union to strike um see the result of that is that it's basically forced labor you can quit lose all of your benefits seniority get replaced by what would have amounted to what's referred to as scabs people who will cross a picket line um to to work and when you're hungry you might risk it um when inflation is shooting through the roof you might risk it when something that used to be 20 bucks just two and a half years ago is now 45 dollars you're going to risk getting money to put food on the table. And the ability to shut down the United States and all of its train operations, massive amounts of train uh, processes move billions of tons of material shifting from left to right across the United States. It would have shut down the train system. So if that shuts down, basically everything else starts to slow and then just creep and then stop. And it, it would probably happen within about a week. Everything would just shut down. Um, but then the president just rolls in and says, uh, workers rights, screw you. And now it's almost daily. And do I have a couple of zingers for you today? that's based entirely around this that just happened to have been submitted. So Germany basically, or I should say citizens of Germany, employees of businesses, um, strike 24 hours, kind of let their voice be heard. Um, but they're going to be going back to work. If they don't get their wage increase, then they'll walk again. It says Verdi is demanding a 10.5% wage increase which would see pay rising by at least 500 euro a month while evg is asking for a 12 percent rise or raise um or at least 650 euros per month um i think that this is great because what needs to take place is chipping away at the profit margin and that goes to the stakeholders executive suite or the c-suite um, and, uh, the, the board, um, the major investors are the ones that are benefiting from abuses of labor instead of paying labor so that they have some money left over and they don't become indentured servants, forced labor. Basically what we used to, when I was a kid, we used to refer to that as a wage slave. We don't use the term anymore. Um, because it's rather demeaning in a more provocative way than when I was a kid saying that phrase. Um, you'd make enough, but it was just enough to eke by, basically hand to mouth. That was it. Um, and 
we're trending towards that again, except that there's massive freaking profits, but it's all going to a financial elite, politically connected elite. Um, and the producer, unfortunately, there's an entire working class that's getting marginalized and that middle class is being separated further and further away from that upper, uh, 1%, um, as it were, but it's, um, a bigger number than just 1%. Um, but suffice it to say that this is, there's an inequality, a power imbalance, um, and unions forming are the equalizer. So let's move on past this. Let's go over to the next article, which is train derails. It's almost like trains are allergic to their tracks. It's weird. Suddenly you start hearing well, about this. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Look, um, we're going to strike and oh, oh, we're not allowed to strike. Well, now all of these trains are falling apart because guess what? There isn't enough people employed. They're not employed enough to work their ass off the way that they're expected to or demanded to. Or they're um, overworked or they their crews are too small. I mean, that related to something else we talked about yesterday. Yep. Um, there isn't an enough, there isn't enough verification of the quality integrity of the tracks. There isn't enough safety protocols in place yet. The, again, the executive suite has massive profits. The profit margin has not done nothing but grow yet. Wages are stagnant. So some 31 cars, uh, involved were carrying hazardous materials and an initial assessment found a liquid asphalt leak at the derailment site in rural Richland uh, County, Southeast of Windmere, Windermere. Um, a Canadian Pacific spokesperson told the Hill in a statement. And that's where this was aggregated from. Julia Mueller is the author of this. There might've been a video. Let me, let me try it. It's muted. So I don't know if this is actually going to be talking about this actual article um but we'll leave it here for a second so the railways no it's not okay it never seems to be um the railways emergency response team and hazardous materials experts are on the site with uh, local first responders to conduct a full assessment no injuries or fire were reported not until they decide that they're going to burn it off um, and there is no threat from the leak to waterways or public safety except maybe groundwater you know this this crap leaking through or the soil you know yeah or nature in general the ecosystem locally um yeah you know anyway um let's see it said uh, that it's going to be an estimated uh seven to ten days to clean up oh well that's very convenient seven to ten days somehow i think that the real issue is just going to get scooped up into a pile of dirt and Put somewhere else <laughs> well we saw that with some of the recent uh, like the palestine derailment i mean they were shipping out the wastewater and everything to other states oh yes <laughs> i think it's palestine palestine not palestine um so yeah but then just so uh, don't go away but wait there's more 
a train carrying iron ore derails in San Bernardino County, California. That's right. This is another train that in the same 24 hours, right? At least in the last uh, two days. Um, a train carrying raw material derailed in California on Monday, according to the San Bernardino County fire officials. Um, this is over at abcnews.go.com. Uh, Teddy Grant is the author. It says one locomotive suffered a minor leak, according to um, officials. This video has nothing to do with it, by the way. Um, they're, they're talking about deadly tornadoes. Um, but according to Union Pacific officials, which yesterday was the one that was saying that they're going to move away from having single conductor train uh, teams. Um, that way, if they get sleepy or stupid, there's somebody else that can poke them and say, hey, wake up. Um, anyway, it derailed at 8.30 a.m. local time. One locomotive suffered a minor leak, which is being investigated by hazmat officials. If it is nothing more than iron, then it's not that big of a deal. Um, particularly iron ore. It's unrefined, so it still is kind of in a matrix of some kind. So um, it says the crew was not in the cab at the time of the derailment, and there was uncontrolled train movement, and the crew was not injured. So uncontrolled train movement is kind of like the... Uh, Does that mean jumping off the tracks? Like correct. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a weird phrase. And of course, whenever anybody mentions anything anywhere about a train accident, they uh, drop as many other as po any other accidents as possible. Um, wow. Scene of the multi-car train derailment in San Bernardino County, California. Oh, why did it say uh, this was March 27th, 2023? Yeah, so that was this morning. Why did it say only one? It says four empty tankers. That doesn't look empty to me. Huh. I thought anyway. it said some of the 31 cars derailed, but maybe I'm thinking of the other one. Yeah, I don't think it... Uh, 55 train cars, including two locomotives, derailed at 8.30 a.m. That's Sorry, what... there are too many train derailments. I'm mixing them up. Yeah, but it. I thought that it said that there was only one that had iron in it, iron ore. It just says, okay, well, whatever. It says one had a minor leak. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> that doesn't quite do it justice when you see that picture. I'm sorry uh, if you're in chat and you're trying to read this. Uh, I'm sorry uh, that I keep scrolling up and down. I'm trying to find information that I saw when I was going through it. Um, and so if you're sitting there going like this, I apologize. Um, but yeah, I mean, this thing, it was 20. Uh, yeah, there was a, <laughs> like 50 cars. I'm looking at this picture and it basically looks like a meteor just plowed right into the earth. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a major catastrophe. It doesn't just look like what I was envisioning from the beginning of the article. The basically the the vehicle, the train that had the crew must have decoupled so that it was immune to this. And it's you know, they're in the back of that train looking at it going, whoops. Because the when rest of the train. See the track 
Hey, your your speech is all messed up again. So, hey, I'm gonna. You should disconnect and plug back in. Um. Okay, so. Yeah, so the whole the train, the tracks, everything is just completely gone. It looks like it's a beachhead, not a, a train track. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna have to work with the AI to um, figure out what the bandwidth issue is uh, here in Ohm Town because I think that it that's what it is. It isn't the microphone itself. I think it's bandwidth. So you're wired into Ohm Town, and and uh, we have a bandwidth problem. So. Um, anyway, let's keep on hustling through this. We've got a couple more articles. This next article is in uh, about Ukraine, um, and it's not what you think. <laughs> it's it's kind of by proxy related to the conflict. Um, but Ukraine ammunition supply threatened by TikTok cat videos. This is a little hyperbolic, um, but it says NAMO. One of Europe's largest ammunition ammunition manufacturers said it uh, can't expand because the electricity in central Norway is already being used by a data center. <laughs> we can't keep Which building is like for internet uh, servers or something. Apparently, cat videos. Um, so obviously, to me, this is a little bit hyperbolic, but. Um, Julia Carbonaro over at newsweek.com put the article together. Um, this has nothing to do the video as usual. It seems like there's always like a default video, but it doesn't seem to be the one that actually applies to the news. Um, this isn't the only site that does it. And if I find a double word thing here, then I, I'm straight up calling that this is created by chat GPT. Anyway, the Norwegian group Nordic Ammunition Company, better known as NAMO, told the UK newspaper Financial Times that there's no surplus of energy for its Raufoss uh, plant where the fact new factory was planned. The electricity of the region is being used up by a data center whose bigger client is TikTok. The embattled social just, media... So there is more of a connection to TikTok. I thought they were just going for a funny headline. Yeah. Um, the embattled social media platform has come under increased scrutiny in the U.S. for its ties with China. Um, they've got a Getty image of ammunition on pallets. Um, it says we were concerned, or we are concerned, because we see our future growth is challenged by the storage of cat videos. Namo chief executive Morton Brantstog told, or Brant Brantstog Brantstog, I think. I'm, I'm messing up that right there anyway um morton told the newspaper a local energy provider elvia confirmed to the financial times that the network has no electricity to spare and that the energy is uh, allocated on a first come first served basis should namo require more energy it will take time to make this available to the ammunition manufacturer you know this is possibly the first time in history where <laughs> cat videos <laughs> would impact the outcome of a war. You would think that it would be the other way around, right? Now, see, it, like if the if the country, if the government said this has priority, then they would probably nationalize some of that uh, power. But um, obviously, this is uh, would be a little heavy-handed. 
they're going to have to find another solution for expanding their operations. But I know of companies that have relocated entirely because they can't get enough power. They move closer. I, uh, uh, stock market trading platforms that move closer to the uh, DAO itself so that they can trade closer to the servers because timing is in nanoseconds. Um, same thing with crypto farms where they move closer to the power plant or even build a power plant, um, facilitate building a power plant so that they've got enough power. But it says here that NAMO was formed in 1998 as a merger of ammunition businesses in Norway, Sweden, and Finland. It is co-owned 50-50 by Norway's government and the Finnish aerospace and defense company Patria. I'm surprised that they don't have more pull. Uh, me too, because <laughs> like if anybody would, it would be the government. Now, the other thing about this is that they're talking about meeting Ukraine's demand and that they're going to have to spend $2 billion to expand the plant. My problem there is at some point that demand is no longer going to be there. You know, literally one way or the other, there's going to be resolution in Ukraine. And now what are you going to do with all of that excess power generation? wait until the next conflict so that you can ramp up power to a weapons manufacturing plant. So maybe they don't see it as being a, a fundamental issue. Yeah. Well, this is really interesting because this makes it look like this is intentional, not just server usage from this paragraph down here about adding different data centers, et cetera. What, that they, okay. <laughs> it says the expansion is now blocked by TikTok. The social media company is building three data centers in 2023 and possibly adding two more in uh, Hamar, some 15 miles east of Rofus. Uh, Bronstag said that he can't rule out that it's not by pure coincidence that the expansion of a European defense company was being blocked by the Chinese owned social media app. That's a stretch. Oh, I agree, but I thought that was an interesting statement. Yeah, I find that extremely hard to believe that this is so subtle that the, this is like somebody's a time traveler and because they have future knowledge of the potential of drawing power for a conflict in Ukraine that they're going to ramp up the number of servers in operation nearby. Come on. And they don't want it exposed. Otherwise, other time travelers will be able to shut it down. You know, I mean, this is like almost this is the type of thing that a writer would love to grab hold of. That overt war was no longer an option. You had to do more subtle things because it's too overt to just, you know, bomb a power plant. Now you have to. <laughs> suck enough juice from the the bottle that it can't go anywhere else i mean it's so insane to even consider this a reality but watch six months from now i mean if you believe anything you see in the news about other things out of the same government those things are long-term planned they're not i, I don't know Okay. But I agree. We don't have any evidence of this. Like it just, it was an interesting 
connection mentioned. Yeah, there's just enough evidence to suggest that there is a Chinese cabal that's uh, manipulating power systems around the world. Oh, no. Now I know why I can't download my cat videos from TikTok. Now I know why I was having audio problems. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, it's my fault. I'm sorry. Okay, so the last article for today um, is uh, one that's kind of near and dear to me because I love 3D printing. Um, one of the biggest problems that I have is having to buy um, filament. Um, but I'm also... Uh, this is in a previous life. I've always loved 3D printing and being able to model something and then print it out and repair something because it doesn't exist anymore. But this person is actually printing a Raspberry Pi case. Um, the title of this is watch this person recycle a bottle by 3D printing a Raspberry Pi case. Um, I have a problem with plastics now uh, overall. Uh, so I'm not such a proponent anymore of uh, 3D printing, but it is the least of the evils because you can print on demand pretty much anything if you can get the model for it, which means that there isn't a whole bunch of excess production anywhere that's just sitting around decomposing or being thrown away, kind of like those Funko toys where the billions of dollars or something like that. How many millions was it? Wasn't it in the billions? The there was this massive like amount of Funko pop toys that were being distributed into landfills um, to write down all of the loss. And I thought that it was in the billion. $30 million. Was it only 30 million? I swear yeah, it was more than that. Considering those costs say 20 or $30 a piece, yeah. that's kind of a lot. Yeah, I was off by a order of magnitude. Anyway, um, so, the uh, 3D printing is incredibly cool tech. This is the author um, speaking, not me. Um, 3D printing is incredibly cool tech, but we've always been a bit bothered by all the plastic, which is interesting because I haven't read any of this. Um, giving, people, giving people the tools and power to create at home has led to amazing imaginative creations like the printed um, Cities Skylines Square. Um, cities Skylines is... Um, basically a sim city much more uh, well for me it's a more grandiose sim city um simulator um very popular they're uh, either they just released one or they're about to release a new one uh, but anyway or these helpful adaptive controllers but it still uh, has the potential to encourage more plastic waste and we don't really need that as a global community so basically they're struggling just like i am um, but this is over at PC Gamer, and Hope Corrigan is the author. It says, from drink to pie in a matter of print. And uh, I've actually seen this uh, in a different form um, many moons ago. I, I'm not quite sure if it's from the same person. It doesn't ring a bell, function.3D. Um, but basically, they have this little... Uh, cutter right here and they grab a bottle and they slice off like a quarter inch uh, 
constant spiral, basically. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, you ever unwrap something like and it just keeps apple, on going? Take an apple peel or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you unravel this uh, drinking bottle, this plastic bottle, and uh, it goes into an extruder that turns it from a flat quarter inch cut into um, 3D filament and then straight into a 3D printer and off you go. Um, and so I don't think that there is a video of it here, um, but uh, you can definitely go and look it up. You know what, uh, before we do that, let me, I'm gonna refresh this and see if maybe, um, cause this is just a single image and I don't think that this loads up an image. Anyway, um, function.3D on TikTok shares a video of the uh, project complete with calming backing instrumental music uh, thanks to Mozart. Oh, now I know why. Um, my DNS blocks TikTok. So, um, again, that's the security thing here in hometown. Anyway, um, you too can do this. Uh, you can search for 3D models and throw them into uh, a 3D modeling program that uh, outputs G-code so that a 3D printer can do layer after layer. It's the same principle that uh, I want used in printing a uh, cement house um, in the future. Um, because if there's one thing that I know won't happen, a solid block of concrete will not uh, fall over in 150 mile an hour hurricane winds. And the roof, it too being cement, will not be blown off and the walls fall over. Um, so really into the idea of 3D printed houses and it can use local material right there. It doesn't have to get it from somewhere else. Um, that said, if you're interested in this kind of stuff, you can actually get everything you need to create your own filament. Um, it ranges in price from about maybe 150 bucks on up to about $3,000. Z says that they've seen people make brooms out of that, out of the strips, right? They basically cut bottles into strips and then attach it into um, like a, like a push broom kind of a thing or a sweeper. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, like I mean, broom. that's a great way to reuse something. I said broom like six times just now. I'll broom? be okay. Yeah, broom. Um, like yesterday when you were saying stuff at the exit of the show. So Z says, yep, it's the people that sell them door to door in Africa. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've seen that too. That just rang a bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that too. Um, People are incredibly imaginative. Uh, all they need is opportunity. There's, we didn't talk about it here, but we saw it. Um, the, um, the drone delivering, who was it? Mark Rober. That's right. Um, did a, a video on um, a person in Africa that uses drones to zip line basically medicine down to um oh wait it was using um that's the company's name is zipline yeah so there's a the company zipline wants to do that domestically um but 
the one that's using um it's not is it i guess you would call it drones but basically gliders that fly all over africa and drop medicine um i've when we watched the video it seemed like they were being dropped from orbit and they were still good to go um, and it was kind of like a catapult system to launch them that's yeah. not the right terminology but but it is it was a catapult yeah um and i think it was using air it was an air catapult um and just shot these gliders out and then the gliders got to cruising altitude dropped off medicine because it was calculating where it needed to drop it had a computer vision system and just plopped it right where it needed to go pretty amazing stuff and that's the ingenuity that leads to stuff like this where somebody says well i have a whole bunch of recycled or i have a whole bunch of bottles it's the same stuff that i print with instead of throwing it into a landfill or hoping that it makes it to a recycling center i need filament so i'm just going to take this quarter inch strip and just continuously pull the the bottle into filament and then i can print from it now whatever you're going to print is going to have some element of that green tone to it um there's other solutions that i've seen where you can basically take these bottles and throw it into a shredder you can tint it with um like virgin plastic that's colored um and when the extruder um warms up all of this plastic it basically tints the the, the the filament to but consistency is an issue um that said like i i said earlier close to somewhere around 150 bucks all the way up to over three thousand bucks um i would love to do this because um plastic bottles are all over the place and to be able to just grab them wash them out throw them in the shredder throw them in the extruder and make my own filament means that i would never have to worry about somebody else making it um and for me i want functional prints not pretty prints so i don't really care what the plastic looks like um as long as it isn't uh, in a horrible quality um that's what matters to me but i hardly even do 3d printing anymore it's all i do is run hometown it's my creativity has been stifled just kidding i have so many projects that i can't um focus on one thing but that's why i love hometown because when you go back to the front page of hometown and you just click on that little name it'll refresh and give you a whole bunch of articles and we'll scroll through them really quick sometimes you might see two of the same one like well i guess not i thought that there might be one because sometimes the uh, aggregator will throw it into two different places at the same time. Um, but uh, it's really up to the aggregator to do that. And uh, let's see, is there anything interesting that we can find? Maybe if I stop scrolling. Oh, yeah, if you stop scrolling. I don't know if there's a lot of positive news on the front page. Oh, my God. Did you just see that? Rand Paul staffer yeah, stabbed in D.C.? Yeah, that's what I actually threw an error message at. I kind of flinched when I saw that. I thought I misread it, and I thought it was... I missed the staffer in the first... I did, too. Um, I mean, it's still not good, of course, but... Wow. 
Well, hopefully it doesn't become a political thing and the person is caught. But, you know, nowadays. Let's see. Um, oh, is the there... first citizens takeover of SBB. I mean, that's something we've been talking about. Yeah, that one was announced earlier today. Um, it had been hinted at. Where is it? Oh, it's down there. So first citizens takeover of SVB won't solve the bank problem. Um, that's according to Jim Cramer, but he's got uh, an accuracy of, well, any other blogger out there. Um, he's like 30% correct. Maybe. At any rate, a um, bunch of articles all the time, constantly little snippets um, getting aggregated into hometown and I parse them along with AI and others who submit them for review and inclusion into the hometown daily news show. So feel free to do that. You can always go over to Showbot, which is hometown.showbot.tv. Vote on the articles that we discussed tonight. And if uh, something in particular gets voted up, then we'll include it in the future shows, possibly. Um, but we have a bunch of shows and within them topics, some 200 news sources get aggregated constantly into hometown daily news show. And then we talk about it for an hour. Simple as that. Ta-da. One hour. We sometimes run long like tonight. It's an hour and a half. Um, but then if you can't make it for the full show, you can go over to YouTube, um, and watch the show there. Or download it as a podcast wherever your podcatchers catch pod. Hey Z, you have the greatest of day as well. And um, Z says, have the best day AI as well. Well, thank you Z. I appreciate that. You too. And thanks. I will um, see you tomorrow. Sound good? You want to say Sounds bye good. to all of ye old citizens of hometown? Bye-bye, hometown citizens, and we will see you tomorrow. We will. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Z.